This is a Federal News Network podcast. One of the most troublesome forms of cyber attack, ransomware, famously hit Baltimore earlier this year. City services came almost to a halt. Ransomware attacks against governments at all levels are on the rise. For some statistics and what maybe to do about these attacks, we turn to the vice president of intelligence at CrowdStrike, Adam Myers. Mr. Myers, good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Tell us what you're seeing, that uh, ransomware is on the uptick against governments. That seems like really nervy, <laughs> or uh, let's say chutzpah, to hold up governments for ransomware. Well, I think what we're seeing, and this has been a trend we've seen for about the last 18 months or so, is that criminal actors have figured out how to really maximize the, their banks. What we're seeing is that these criminal actors uh, have identified that going after random people's you know, computers in a one-off manner and charging them a couple of hundred dollars to unlock family photos and tax records is a lot of work. You have to figure out how to talk them through getting onto the dark web or, or tour hidden services. You have to figure out how to get them to use Bitcoin in order to pay the ransom. So it's just a, a huge effort for low return. On the contrary, if you go after large enterprises that have a lot of money and resources at their disposal and you hit them pretty hard and fast, you can make them pay hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in ransom, which is what we're seeing. And the targets that they've gone after, and you, you've called out uh, government, uh, primarily state and local governments are, are, are the kind of uh, targets they've gone after. We're seeing them going after school districts and public libraries. They also go after manufacturing and uh, printing, places that have a, uh, a very uh, high cadence where they need to have uptime, they need to be running, they can't have services down, things like, you know, uh, being able to pay your water bill or to get house transfers and things like that. Um, that's the type of thing that really kind of drives the victim to feel like they just have to pay to make this thing go away. Sure. And what is the vector you're seeing? Is it phishing attacks, some type of well-fashioned email, or is it the other old-fashioned way of simply hacking into someone's network? Well, the interesting thing is that what we've actually seen is that criminal actors who had previously been using uh, malware to conduct bank fraud uh, they would distribute it very widely via phishing. They would distribute it over what we would call an exploit kit, where they compromise a legitimate website and then use that website to infect visitors to the website. And they were prolific for, for years, uh, distributing malware uh, to steal banking credentials and to steal credit card information. These criminal actors have repurposed that banking malware from stealing credit card information to enabling them to now distribute uh, ransomware into an enterprise. So um, if you kind of want to think about it in these terms, they cast a very wide net across lots of potential victims. And then they start looking at who these victims are. Are they in an enterprise? Is it a home user? Um, what kind of potential value or upside is there to this infection? And then rather than trying to use the banking Trojan to steal bank information, they use it to then give them access to the machine and then they start to behave like a nation state actor or targeted intrusion actor. They move laterally across the enterprise. They escalate privileges. They look for machines that have domain controller or administrative access. And then they use that machine, that critical machine with elevated privileges to push ransomware across the environment and charge uh, one ransom to unlock the entire enterprise. And they have to notify you in some manner that you have been ransomized. How do they decide who to send the email to? Well, typically what they'll do is they'll leave a text file on the desktop on the machine. 
that will say kind of readme.txt. They'll also sometimes change the desktop background. And this is where they leave the ransom note. So in reality, every machine ends up with this ransom note. And this is where we've seen some interesting uh, social media leaks where a victim company's employee comes in, finds this, they take a picture of it, they tweet it out, and then everybody knows that that, that, that uh, victim was hit with ransomware. We're speaking with Adam Myers, vice president of intelligence at CrowdStrike. And what has been the record in recent history of governments paying up? Do they have any alternative to paying up? There is an alternative to paying up, and we've seen the uh, Board of Governors come together and say that they're not going to pay ransom. The, uh, there has been indications that ransom have been paid in the hundreds of thousands up to just under a million. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I know that we've seen some $600,000 payments and things like that. You know, I think a lot of these organizations are being advised by their security personnel, by law enforcement, don't pay the ransom if you don't have to, or, or please don't pay the ransom. And in some cases, you know, I think they realize that they just don't have a choice. And what is the best defense against this type of thing? So having a really kind of mature security model is, I think, the, the first uh, step. You need to have uh, adequate patching. You need to ensure that when there is a, uh, a malware infection, something that you might write off as just banking Trojan or something like that, that you are very quick to, to go after that. In fact, uh, at CrowdStrike, we have this 110-60 rule, uh, which is that you really have about a minute to detect something uh, 10 minutes to contain it and 60 minutes to remediate it. Uh, or you're going you're, you're gonna to have this thing proliferate off your network or, or off the machine that it hit, and there's going to be a, a significant uh, impact from that attack. So um, really, you know, organizations need to have uh, mature security practices. They need to have visibility onto their endpoints to be able to see what's going on at the endpoint. Because if you're waiting for something to hit the network, it might be a little bit too late. Uh, and then the other piece of the, the, the problem here is that you need to have adequate backups, because if you don't have backups and you're, you're held for ransom, there's really nothing you can do about it, right? You're, you're going to have to pay the ransom to get your data decrypted. So there's, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the, the basic best practices, which is easier said than done. Uh, when you look at some of the talent uh, that, that state and local governments, for example, have to pull from, they, they can't be the highest paying uh, employees, uh, employers, and cybersecurity is is something that is expensive, and um, you know you need to really invest in recruiting personnel and 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 keeping those personnel uh, trained and happy and effective. So there's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of problems I think that the the state and local governments need to deal with. And what do we know about the origins of these attackers? Is it China? Is it Russia? And who? Where's the money ending up? Yeah, so there's a couple of primary actors that we track. One is what we call Wizard Spider, uh, which operates a malware known as TrickBot. And they use TrickBot to deploy ransomware known as Ryuk or Ryuk, depending on how you like to pronounce it. Uh, there's, there's other ones like Drydex, which is a malware group that's run by a group that we call Indrix Spider. So there's probably about four or five different groups that are currently engaged in enterprise ransomware. Uh, there was uh, one group that we identified and, and was actually uh, brought up in a DOJ indictment that was operating out of Iran. They were one of the earlier entrants into the enterprise ransomware space, and they were pretty effective at, at uh, being able to target some of these victims and extract high payments. After the indictment, they actually went completely dark. So we haven't seen this group, which was known as Samas, uh, since, uh, since probably November, December of last year. Um, that said, you know, I think when 
criminal actors, for the most part, as uh, the ones that I mentioned before, outside of the one in Iran, uh, a lot of them tend to be based out of Eastern Europe, uh, perhaps Russia. And there's a lot of criminals in that region that are seeing this, and they're seeing the news stories about people paying these ransoms. And so they kind of start to look at that and say, oh, we should get into this. This is, this is good money to be made. Sure. And so I think we're going to see more, more actors kind of getting into this enterprise ransomware, or what we call big game hunting, uh, as, they, um, as they start to see you know, these news stories and, and realize that there's money, real money to be had there. So it could be that some of the large members of the defense industrial base that have lots of federal data, lots of defense data, lots of program and, and systems data could consider themselves vulnerable to this. I think everybody's vulnerable to this. Um, and it's really been we've seen trends where they've gone after manufacturing, they've gone after uh, you know, healthcare for a while, and, and now they've been picking pretty heavily on state and local government. And, uh, you know, where they go from there, uh, it's hard to say, but it's going to be someplace where they think that they can they can really maximize their uh, their payout. Adam Myers is vice president of intelligence at CrowdStrike. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. We'll post this interview and a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision.